Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 13 Spooky Nights of Mixed Reviews. We're not actually doing 13 nights. I don't know why I said that, but we're doing spooky movies. So we're doing the tonally deaf Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> I'm offended. Good. I'm a, some people did a very good job. Some. 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 Some, some people did fine. Um, Paige, would you like to, to break into this spooky musical? I, I will try, because what is the plot of this movie except for how to get out of an abusive relationship 101? Find a new man. <laughs> it's really all you need. So there's, there's a man who has a birthmark on the side of his face, and he's a musical prodigy, um, but he's real angry because he was in a carnival. Um, so he hides in the bottom of an opera house and then just kidnaps women to use his musical abilities on. But this one woman, her name is Christine Daae, and she's a beautiful opera singer. But little does the Phantom know that she has a side hoe that's willing to kick his ass to get rid of the trauma that he may cause to her. Dun! Dun 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 dun! Okay, so I told you I kind of had, a, had like a little bit of a backstory with this. Yeah, um, what so happened I, to you? Yeah, well, first, well, first off, I do remember watching this movie when I was a kid because my family got really into this movie for some reason, and they got really into the soundtrack. So it was like playing constantly. And then one day we all just watched it in the middle of the day, and I was like, "Good God, this is long. This is dreadful." <laughs> um, so fast forward, like you know, fifteen or so years. Um, Paige, you were giving me crap because you were like, why are you watching this on Monday? We're not shooting until Thursday. I'm not kidding you. I went through a full three act structure with this movie this week. In like the three <laughs> days that I watched it. The first day I watched it, I was like, this is like corny. But I was like, I don't really get like the whole thing about it. And the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, damn, that like that, that sits kind of well. And the third time I watched it, I was like, well, I don't, I really don't get why everybody hates this movie that much. And then the third time I watched it, I enjoyed the movie enough to be like, no, you guys ruined this movie. It could have been so much better. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> this movie no could have been so much better. I mean, it's fine. The movie's fine, but I, and I, I'm not mad about it, but I totally understand people who, who would be angry about it. Like this, the the whole the whole gimmick for this thing is them crashing a chandelier in the actual show. That's like the whole thing that draws the crowd in, and the story itself is a big bombastic, like crazy story. So as like low key as this movie is, because it doesn't feel as big as it really should be. This should be over the top nutso, but it's not, which I think is its drawback. Oh, it definitely is. It's it's totally deaf and it doesn't know what it's doing so it instead rides this weird weird line between like fantastical musical universe and this like strange hyper realist like old France and it's like okay and then you're gonna put Gerard Butler in tights okay cool I am here for Gerard Butler in tights I do have a question why are the flash forwards in black and white I and then the <laughs> I kind of like it though it was the reverse of our Van Helsing episode I, I think it's it's the one like actual stylistic choice in this movie that feels like it might have had some thought behind it. Probably not, but it might have. <laughs> but I, I feel like because that's when it was like, that's when it's the most vivid. Like that's when the opera house was in full swing. I assume everybody's life is a little bit dreary as opposed to the excitement that was going on during this time of the opera house. If so your whole I feel life like revolves around an opera house, maybe get another hobby. 
I don't. They tried, dude. Look at the Phantom. He built a whole sewage layer. It's not possible. It's only opera. <laughs> they didn't have anything else in the 1800s. Was it opium big? Couldn't they start doing that? Maybe. That's probably what started his face, though. You want to give him more drugs? <laughs> he was born that way. He's an innocent creature. I feel bad for him. Um, I, I want to preface this episode by saying that I am not super versed with musicals, nor do I know anything about, like, really theater or the way people judge theater or the theater community, because I know the Phantom of the Opera is huge with theater people. Like, that's, like, one of the big ones that everybody likes. Um, so I am, I can only talk about this movie from just a filmmaking perspective. I cannot talk about it in comparison to the theatrical experience of Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. So I apologize <laughs> if that is well, what you are looking for. Paige might be able to help, but I cannot. <laughs> I can help. To, I'm not a professional by any means, but I have a lot of musical theory under my belt. Um, but this, this musical is notorious for being you know, the show off piece. People learn these songs for their audition pieces into like Juilliard. Like these are these are hard, difficult songs to sing. Even the pit, it's like it's hard to play these songs. Andrew Lloyd okay. Webber is known for writing not not friendly musicals for people to perform. <laughs> They're very difficult. I mean, I guess that's kind of cool then, because um, the, I guess the only thing like the biggest complaint I've heard people make about this movie is the singing, obviously. <laughs> and I I get it. I hear it too, even though I don't know that much about singing. Um, I will like add though, as somebody who's not a director and who hasn't done anything like this, just the idea of an actor being able to sing and yep. be able to act on screen to me, I just kind of have to give them a little bit of props for that because that sounds like an incredible workload to do yeah. for an entire feature film. Especially like, this uh, one that's almost three hours long. Yeah, it, it, I forgot this movie as long as it was. In fact, when I was first watching it, I, I was curious where all the buffer time went. Because, like, I got to an hour in and we plowed through six It's needless main songs. shots. It's literally needless shots just to the score. That's what it is. Yeah. I can't, I can't even talk about how much I hate the production of this so much. And, like, I don't even hate the movie that much. There's just so many, like, fundamental problems with it. Yeah. Where it's like, how did this even make it to a theater? <laughs> this was this was Schumacher's redemption piece. Like this, I it's, think this it's was... one of his best movies. That doesn't it mean is. it's good, but yeah, that tells you a lot. I mean, yeah. not I'm not gonna say a whole lot about Joel because obviously he's dead. So pay we have to pay the he's respect. He's dead. He what? died. This, he died this past year. Yeah, or like what? last year. Yeah. Batman and Robin. No. Oh wow, Paige just found this out live on the podcast. Yikes. Oh my god! Okay, well, yeah. I'll give you a moment. He seemed like a nice man. He was confused, but he seemed nice. Yeah, that's why, like, I'm not gonna not gonna talk actual shit, but it is he is notorious for having a deep fundamental misunderstanding of filmmaking <laughs> to his core that was never corrected throughout his career. <laughs> because the man just doesn't have it. <laughs> he made falling down, which is really good. Um Yeah. Uh <laughs> No, because I was, I was, I was thinking that same thing too about the duration. Because we are constantly complaining about movies being super long, and I, yeah, yeah I, I hit like the hour and a half mark, and I was like, what is? I was like, we just, I feel like we just got here. 
And it's like, that's because you did. That's because at random intervals, they just show you the future that nobody cares about. It has no relevance to the rest of the movie whatsoever. And then it's just intercut with dancing that also pertains not to the story at all. Yeah. And almost not to the set pieces either. I see. I I'm a I'm a huge Andrew Lloyd Webber dork, so I'm fine whenever the score is playing. But as soon as they stop the score, which almost never stops, there's almost no music in this. But when it does, everything comes to a grinding halt. Yeah, and like hits a brick wall. And yes, whenever they jump to the future as well, I think I would have been fine if they just did the future shot at the beginning and the end. But for some reason, they do it like two or three times in the middle. They just keep peppering it back in the middle, almost like <laughs> like we forgot. Wait, yeah, yeah. Because God forbid. I mean, I I feel like that's the whole movie. Movie, though it's like constantly cutting to and from things that you've already seen and it's like do you think that i'm not gonna i know the movie is two hours and 20 minutes long but i'm not gonna forget that i just saw the phantom two seconds ago in the goddamn <laughs> rafters <laughs> that is true <laughs> whenever he's like plotting a little a little scheme or whatever they do too many shots too many of shots. letting you know he's up to some fuck shit well for somebody who's referred to as the phantom he's painfully present in almost every scene <laughs> painfully present they did not try to like cover him in like god forbid you do any creative lighting like put him in with some interesting framing do Which something is, you get like the been... one disembodied shot of his hand which makes it feel so disjointed when Christine is sitting there talking about this dude and they're all acting like they've, they they don't, haven't she's seen schizophrenic. Him. Yeah. But it's like, like, we all see him. And <laughs> you're gonna, like, like, like you said, Gerard Butler is hard to miss. Like the man <laughs> carries a stage presence with him. You can't just put him on screen and be like, oh, who's this fucking roided up freak in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> He's... He does. And that's something the musical suffers from as well. But also, like, how do you hide a dude on a well-lit stage? So I get the musical. Yeah. But like this, yeah, you could have had way more fun, like, casting him in the shadows, making sure he was never seen. Or, like, maybe even just having just the mask Just the mask, show up. yeah. Why, what? The mask is white. You could put him in shadow and do that. This movie just, like, said fuck it. On every level of cinematography, they just did not care. <laughs> they didn't yeah. do anything. This was one of the most washed out films I've ever seen in my life. And I don't yeah. even know why. So one, one of the things is, um, if I remember correctly, Andrew Lee Weber had a lot of trouble letting this go to Hollywood. He did not want this to go. And he had like very hard rules if he was going to let it go. Um, so I'm sure he had some hand in like how he wanted this to look. Well, it wasn't the, isn't the whole issue with this that he basically was the one who made it? Like, his company yeah. was the one who, who funded it. Him and Joel worked together, and they basically yeah. just redid the stage, the stage yep. play as a movie, which is, <laughs> completely defeats the purpose of turning it into a movie. But, yes. Okay. I mean, you have filmed stage productions of this that are really good, like the Royal Albert Hall one, but it's like, then just do that with, like, professional live singers. Yeah, the, the process of, like you're saying, professional live singers, the process of making a musical into film, you need film actors. If you're gonna yeah. do it on stage, you need stage actors. It's, like, one of the biggest differentiations between the two mediums is how the actors work and, like, how you cast them and how they project onto, onto what they're getting recorded on. Yes, and then what happened with that where I feel like this movie feels so tonally off is the problem is all the actors seem to get a different interpretation of what they were supposed to be doing in terms yes. of blending stage and movie. I feel like, and again, I'm, I'm going to talk to death about him because I think he's great. I feel like Patrick Wilson is the only person that fully got the perfect blend 
yes. of like doing a stage performance and an, and a movie performance. Gerard Butler is all movie. He's like, yeah, I am in no, a movie. There's no stage. It's like, it's a movie's person idea of what they think stage is, which yeah. I think is just being slightly louder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and oh. trying to use his arms more, but you can tell he has to think about using his arms <laughs> before he does it. And then Emmy Rossum, even though like, yes, she was solely cast because she could hit the notes. She has a beautiful voice. There's no denying her voice is great in this. I thought it was pretty. I can't really understand jack shit from what she's saying, but. <laughs> that's that's just because of the music. The, the, because the whole all of the music is pitched to an opera singer, it's so hard to yeah. pit, pick up what the hell she's talking about. Because you have to, when you sing like very high, you have to change your vowels in order to get the note up there. Yeah. That's one of the complexities with singing. It's very hard to make anything understandable. But she did a really good job, but because she had to, like, focus so much on hitting those notes, she's just a cardboard cutout. She's just, like, just standing there the whole time. There are so many shots of her just dead-eyed in the corner, yeah. not knowing what the so, fuck to do. Um, that was something I- that was probably one of my biggest complaints about this movie, like, from a story perspective, which I can't complain about because obviously it's from the stage play. Yeah, Christine does nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally nothing. Which in this, honestly, in this movie, between, like you said, Patrick Wilson, who actually is, is hitting a good medium, and Gerard, who's just all over the place with his movie <laughs> acting, like, for her to just do nothing is probably the smartest choice to make. <laughs> yeah. As a leading lady, because regardless, you're going to be playing into crazy on either yeah. side, and it's it's not going to play well. But yeah, she... There's there's nothing about her. I don't understand what she even wants. That's, <laughs> she that's, just wants to sing, I guess. That's the very common complaint with the musical as well. Andrew Lloyd Webber yeah. is not known for his characters, but like she's what you see in the movie is exactly what she is in the stage play. She's just she's a thrown around dame that gets tossed from guy to guy. She's a damsel in distress. She does literally nothing. Oh, okay. um, she's just there to sing and be used. And like everybody uses her. Raul uses her. Um, the Phantom uses her, and then how they've kind of changed that over time as the musical progresses is they've had different actresses come in and try to give her like a little bit of personality with like the way she sings or the way she carries herself, um, like which Sierra Bogus. Like, yeah, which would be like a great the minimum person. thing you could do with her is just yeah, giving her a little bit more dialect even in her voice to make yeah. it sound more unique. Yeah, and it, she's just a she's just a crap character is the best okay. way to say it. Okay. She just sucks. And so there's really anything, no getting Emmy around that. I guess. Park. Yeah. I mean, for being just like a doe-eyed cardboard cutout of a girl, she she does really well. I think that the rest of the pieces in the movie are what make it seem that much more awkward. Because there's the whole scene when she when she first meets him and he's bringing her down to his sewage lair, and <laughs> <laughs> also love the amount of time people are like, "Oh, look at his boat and his lake." No, it's the sewer. It's a boat to get. To also, that that lake is ankle deep, <laughs> literally ankle deep. How did two people fit in a boat and sail there? I love this idea that the Phantom is just Killer Croc from the Batman basically, universe. Basically. <laughs> but, like, she's, like, just staring at him in awe. And I, I get that, like, in the reveal of the Phantom, like, yeah, she doesn't know if he's real or fake. But as we're saying, he's painfully present in every shot. He's perfectly lit. He's perfectly framed. You can tell exactly what it is. So her just, like, staring open-mouthed at him for, like... <laughs> 15 minutes straight at some point i just like just close it just it's fine they'll cut away they cut to so many things anyway <laughs> doesn't matter 
the I I will argue that I like I like the kind of dreamlike take they took on the big Phantom of the Opera number that big na 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 that yeah. the one everybody knows yeah because it is very dreamlike it has like this weird like blurred vignette around it like everything looks because yeah. she she's supposed to like almost be disassociating because she was just taken through a mirror yeah so I understand that till she faints but when she wakes up she is still just like what's going on it's like no you've woken up you now know that everything you yeah. saw is real he and has she a wax replica confused. of you in the corner <laughs> like please stop <laughs> I, I also like that she's just like gone. Everybody's freaking out, and then she just comes back. And everybody's fine. <laughs> everybody's like fine. Happened. That whole that whole scene of them being like, "Do not expect to ever see her again," and he's like, "But can you also make her the lead?" <laughs> and it's like, "So are you giving her back or not?" <laughs> the, the Phantom is clinically insane. He's, he's so crazy. Um, so I guess I mean, do you want to? I mean, we're at. Do you want to talk about the Phantom now, then? Yeah, I'll talk. This, I'll talk about my part. boy Jerry. This is a good point. Jerry, Jer everybody shits on Jerry, and I don't know why. He's clearly—I don't know why he was cast. I wish I had the answer why he was cast. I wonder. I, do you think it's such a polarizing conversation because there was so much beef behind him getting cast? I don't. I don't know. That sounds familiar to me, but like. Cause yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I I thought he was pretty bad. I'll be honest, and probably anybody would have done that better. But <laughs> so I was sitting here thinking, I was so curious why they didn't cast Patrick Wilson as the Phantom. I just don't know why they cast get him. <laughs> what you I, don't know why they cast Patrick Wilson? No, I don't know why they cast Gerard Butler. Oh, no, yeah, I know why I they cast, think... cast cast Patrick Wilson. That made perfect sense. That I so th this is one of the many mysteries of the world that will never I don't think we'll ever know the answer why Gerard Butler was cast as the Phantom. It will never make sense. I am only here to defend. He's cast. We're over it. We're moving on. He's cast. He's your guy. We're gonna look at what we had to deal with. Okay. <laughs> the the singing. Yeah, it's not great. However, you can tell this man hired a vocal coach to at least try. Unlike his other comparable counterpart that I think is very valid in this, Russell Crowe, who did not show up to cry or to try in Les Miserables. He showed up going, I can sing, I got this, no big deal. Rip. And <laughs> didn't care. Where Gerard Butler, you can hear sort of like the training, and it's almost like I can hear the vocal coach in the studio going, change your vowels, get some breath support, get this, get that. Yeah. He he tried. Yes, he's fighting that Scottish accent with every note, but I, I am still seeing a man that tried, and I also am seeing a man that understood that the Phantom is actually kind of a complex character, and really brought that to, like, the way he spoke his lines, the way he sang his lines. He, he put so much emotion into this. It may be over the top, and it may be ridiculous, and it may cause him to not hit the right notes, um, but I will argue that I don't think the Phantom should be able to sing because why would he be kidnapping women to sing his pieces for him if he could just sing the damn things himself? Yeah, that's true. So make him a bad singer. I don't My care. The go ahead. Oh, no, you go. You keep going. The only thing I want is for him to have emotion. There is Josh Groban covered Music of the Night and it has been literally panned by everybody because it's deadpan and emotionless. It's awful. Where this Music of the Night is not like 
sung well, like technically, but he understands what the song is about and he's really portraying that in the way that he's singing. Even if, and that's really all I care about is do you understand what the song is saying and are you showing me that when you sing? And I felt like he did that with every, with everything he sang. He showed me what the song was about. Yeah, that's fair. So that's um, my, that's my little Jerry, Jerry Butler defense. You know what's funny? Okay. So first thing, something happened to Jerry Butler in 2003. I don't know what happened, but from Tomb Raider 2 to this movie, he is significantly more square. He is like 60% <laughs> more square. And it- Like his face or he, everything? Like his whole body. Like he's like, like maybe he started doing roids like between these two movies, but like, cause when I remember hearing it was Gerard Butler, I was like, okay, but it's 2004 Gerard Butler. And I was thinking of Terry and, and Tomb Raider and yeah. that guy, I'm okay. Like that guy to me seems like that's a Gerard Butler that could play the Phantom. Yeah. The giant blocky guy that barely was fitting into his costume. I, like that's where like it was like the look of the Phantom just kept throwing me off because he's like, he's just too bulky. He looks so uncomfortable. He's like swallowing his chin like in 90% of the scenes he's in. And I'm sorry, I love Jerry, but that mask does not help his lips. No. His lips are all the way out. Like the that whole movie, he's duck lipping it. And I just like, it's just creepy to me. Did it remind you of me? A little bit. There was a moment where I almost sent you a snap and I was like, you you and Jerry both gotta put your lips away sometimes. <laughs> he, he, I, I think it was his costume fitting. I don't, I think those clothes were originally made for somebody else. Cause if I remember correctly, there was somebody else that they were going to cast and then that fell through. I don't have any proof on that. That may have just been a lie I made up in my head. But that's what I felt with all his stuff. Like, the poor man can't even button his shirt. It yeah. has to be open all the time. Yeah. Oh, oh, because, um, so when I first saw the movie, I don't know why I always perceived, like, Raul to be the bad guy, I guess. Because, like... He kind of is. He puts her up on the chopping block as bait. I mean, he kind of is, but is he worse than the Phantom in this movie? Oh, no, and the, the <laughs> you know what I'm Phantom saying? is an abusive boyfriend. He literally hits her. Yeah, like... So I'm rooting for, like, I almost feel like, yeah, if you almost reversed the casting, if Gerard <laughs> Butler was Raul and then <laughs> Patrick Wilson was the Phantom, I think it makes more sense to have, like, a smaller Phantom, like, lurking around than this giant yeah. brute of a man who so, looks like he just yeah. got out of prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he literally got out of prison the year before in a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that that's where he's hiding from the cops. It's just <laughs> under an opera house. I really, I would love it if they were like they talked this whole time about the Phantom being this like genius, and he's just down there doing push-ups. Like <laughs> it's just like, oh, Barry yeah. from the bottom of the cave. <laughs> Lara Croft comes in. <laughs> that's a Phantom of the Opera I'd want to see. I um, I so. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from with the like skinny, skinny. Have you seen the stage musical at all? No, or that's why. Like that? the, yeah, that's why I had to give the the preface. Yeah, I, I, I have no knowledge of that before coming in and making these comments. So no, no listen. Uh, thematically and like story wise, I think having a scrawny, almost like, like a tweaker phantom, like kind of like a heroin addicted phantom kind of deal. Yeah, like make him gross and kind of grimy. Um, would have. It would have been better and more interesting, but in 
in the stage musical, like the Phantom is a presence. Every time he comes on stage, you know, the orchestra goes nuts. He's got yeah. the best costume, spotlight immediately. It's like, bam, he's there. And it's usually always cast like a, a big, dark, brooding guy. What? <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm thinking about the way it translates to this movie, where every time it's like, you do know the Phantom, because they go to a Dutch angle. <laughs> <laughs> So I think they were, I think that was Andrew Lloyd Webber's thing. Cause like his whole idea when writing this musical, he wrote this musical in the eighties, right? When like rock was big and this was him, like this was his rock star was the Phantom. So like, that's why the Phantom is always this like big kind of like metal guy, you know, real, real like raw and, and, and rough. So I'm sure when he was working with Joel Schumacher, he's like, I want a rough, tough guy. And yeah, Joel Schumacher, Schumacher was like, I know a Scotsman. That'll be perfect. <laughs> So, was I the love of your life, or just another bump on the road? <laughs> <laughs> Down we plunge to the prison of my mind. I, so, yeah, so, because Jerry does have that rough, tough, kind of metal, metal feel to him. Yeah, he just, he roll. has no place as that character, especially with how emotional that character was, like, his connection to Christine and, like, the way his character is displayed. I yeah, just he cries a lot. A lot. And the and I, like the fucking the cinematography's not doing him any favors. Like it's almost like like again, I can't really fully blame Gerard Butler for it because like, like same with Emmy Rosam. You're they're not giving her much to work with. <laughs> like yeah. how surprised can you look at something that you can very plainly see? How sad are you supposed to be when you're just this oversized guy stuffed into a suit <laughs> with a camera on your face for no reason? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> All I see is a cast trying their best. They're really, really trying their best. And like, when has Joel Schumacher ever been known for anything cinematography ever? He's known for nipples. Which, yeah. did you catch the nipples in this movie? Mm -hmm. The statues They were on a Dutch angle. <laughs> 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 statues in the cemetery have nipples. He couldn't resist a nipple. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna break into my, my part then. Please. About going into the language of cinema. Because oh. if there's one thing this movie missed just completely, it was just the fact that that exists. That that's a thing. That cinematic language is a way. Uh, I'm going to quote one of my favorite shows. They go like, a doctor heals, a DJ spins, Jessica Chastain takes the role Amy Adams says no to, filmmakers need to learn how to use the language of cinema. <laughs> 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 like... You need you need to understand it, and what the language of cinema is is it's more than just like what's even being seen on film and what's being said. It's like the conjunction of everything going together: the editing, the sound mixing, the framing, the camera angles, every last part of it, down to like the performance and the cuts. And this movie doesn't do any of that. You should be able, if you're like a master of of cinematic, like of filmmaking, you should be able to tell the audience exactly what's going on and like how to feel without even having to say anything from your characters. You should just be able to do it. This movie cannot. It is relying so hard on the fact that everything that's happening is in the words. <laughs> None of the shots make any goddamn sense. You hit these like weird one takes that are just at these like awkward off symmetry angles that just hang <laughs> on these actors like just staring off into space. Like, oh, 
What? Can I, can I, the one that I was think of is the past the point of no return the big like red number at the end there where it's just long takes of emmy rosam fighting with her well, straps her straps <laughs> also keep it up. A, another spot where it's like why didn't you guys do anything fun with the lighting the it's the like the most passionate like p- last part of the thing why is that all just lit yeah. in white light why didn't yeah. you like play with like some reds or pinks or something i think um, it's to give it that crappy stage feel because stage stage looks like shit it, I mean, yeah, but it's like, the, what's like? I mean, I, that's where I see the people's frustration. What is the point of making a movie? Like, I'll, I'm gonna be honest. I, I actually, I'm gonna say this because it's gonna be on the internet forever. I unironically like this movie. <laughs> like, as garbage as it is, I unironically do enjoy it, and like, I had yes. a good time watching it. Yes. <laughs> but there's, there's so the post production on this movie is absolutely unforgivable. <laughs> It's unforgivable. The audio mix is god-awful for a movie that came from a theater musical. Half of the lip-syncing is off. I don't know if you've noticed that. Half of it's like... So I was actually thinking the opposite. Maybe it's because I was only paying attention to Minnie Driver's one. Oh, yeah, because she's probably the only one who's actually singing. No, she's the only one who didn't. Oh, and who didn't sing? But she's doing a great job. Everybody else looks horrible. The, the hard line in the sand Andrew Lloyd Webber had with this is the actors need to sing their own parts, except for Carlotta. Which who, makes sense, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it has to be sung by, I think it's a cultural soprano or something. It's, yeah. It's a fancy word for a bitch that can sing really high, which you're either born with or you're not. Yeah. So they had to hire someone in to dub over Minnie Driver's parts, which is a shame because Minnie Driver actually is a singer, but she cannot hit, hit, hit those notes. Yeah, because she had her character had to do some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I tried, and like I tried not to be picky about it, because again, bitching about ADR sync ups and like especially in early two thousands movies is just kind of beneath me. Whatever, it, it's for, I'm sorry, it's a musical. You guys should make sure the audio lines up. Yeah. The cuts in this movie look like nobody gave it a second pass. You have also like um anytime they cut on like the big no 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 no, which is the only beat that they ever used to cut, and I'm so flabbergasted at why. You have this incredible score. You have all yes. the money and the resources in the world, and you are not utilizing this rhythmically at all. This nope. is the blandest cut I've ever seen. And like right before, you can hear it. Like they they like flex the audio down right before that comes in. So it like the audio will drop and then just come back in spiking at this like weird random cut in the middle of a scene. I, I did notice that, but I love it. I, I love <laughs> I it when I listen to the soundtrack. It doesn't work when paired with visuals, but it's great if you're just listening. No, it's it's lazy filmmaking. It's straight up just somebody who just didn't give a shit about their cut. And it's like, yeah. then why make the movie? Why would you yeah. put the money in the movie if you're going to make a lazy cut like that? And that's like so many, so many spots in this movie. I remember there was a time when I was getting up to get water. There's a scene at the end where Carlotta's like over the guy that um, Gerard Butler kills and takes his spot. Mm-hmm. And she like wails and you can hear them like pitch down the audio right at the end of what she's saying And then it cuts back into this like really loud cut and the cuts off beat too And I literally stopped and turned at the TV and I'm like we are two hours in and there's <laughs> We're two hours in and you guys are still in this mess with these bad cuts and this bad audio mix <laughs> they definitely moved a lot of the audio to hide um, Gerard Butler's singing. You can tell, especially if you hear like yeah. just the soundtrack of this movie and compared to the actual movie. So you, they at least tried to help him there because I did. think it they, works. 
they gave him a hand. You know, there there are definitely some very obvious moments where he has pitch corrected very, oh, very yeah. blatantly. Yeah. But my man needed it. Honestly, when he's doing his weird speech shout singing, whatever the hell you would call that. Yeah. Um, he's really good. He's he's really good at speech shout singing. It's, it's yeah. clear. I understand all his words. I understand his emotion. And honestly, he's hitting the note. He's there. It's just when he actually has to sing a melody that fluctuates. He doesn't know where he's going. He Which gets is lost. unfortunate because there are some moments where I feel like if he if he could have nailed it, I think it it just would have played like thirty percent better. Like it's fine yeah. the way it is. Like this movie's definitely watchable, but like the chemistry is just not there the way that I definitely can see why people wish it would be. Because if it yeah. was there, if the two characters did have chemistry, this movie would have probably been spectacular. I mean, Christine and the Phantom got some sexual tension that Twilight wishes it had. Those two are ready to fuck <laughs> yeah. at any moment. Emmy Rossum didn't give a crap about Patrick Wilson, but she was there for Jerry Butler. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he was the bear. He was the bear. <laughs> She's into bears, not into Raoul. Poor, poor Patrick Wilson. Poor Raoul. Yeah. Patrick Wilson has a beautiful voice. Yeah, he didn't um, sing that. Does he sing that much? He doesn't really sing that much, but it's it's pretty good. He no, he, he has one. He has that all of all I ask of you, which is honestly one of two boring songs. It's the cemetery song, and all I ask of you is the songs that put me to sleep. But he does yeah, absolutely the, the, fantastic. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, your your Snapchat about the cemetery. Take me to my father's grave. Okay. <laughs> There's a point. There's a point in this movie where they're all guarding Christine because the Phantom is trying to kidnap her like a freak, and uh, Raoul is fall like asleep at her door, and she just like casually wakes up and walks out the door, and it's like 1800s Paris doors, so you know that door is creaky as all get out. Yeah. But he doesn't wake up. She leaves. She walks down. She gets in a random carriage, you know, <laughs> in her pajamas. She gets in. She just looks at the carriage driver and goes, "Take me to my father's grave." What street? What avenue? How many <laughs> blocks down am I going? Where, who the hell are you? <laughs> Where am I going? <laughs> she gave him money. That's all that really mattered. Can you imagine if someone else was in that carriage? Like, excuse I me. Mean, to be <laughs> fair, yes, it is. It, was, it takes place in, what, 1870? I'm sure there's literally one one cemetery for, like, that entire country. So, <laughs> still... Still, she, he pulled her right up to there. Yeah. She doesn't even know her name. Also, oh wait, I guess, I guess, yeah, because it is the Phantom who ends up taking her there anyway. So, so it is? Yeah, because he, he takes, I, I mean, I think that they imply it because he knocks the guy over or something. Yeah, he knocks the guy out. And then there's like, a, I think it's a Dutch angle of like the Phantom like <laughs> looking over his shoulder. <laughs> and then like it pulls away when she like enters the, the graveyard. So I was like, okay, so... Is the phantom not gonna not gonna come to the graveyard and then he pops out over the thing? Um, and I was like, so then what was the point of him taking over <laughs> the carriage? So he the, could sneak into the grave. But the guy was gonna take her there anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't care. Also, like the Patrick Wilson and his whole thing to kill the phantom and then has him on the ground and just leaves him. Well, Christine says no. Don't bring him to the police. Don't don't tie him to a tree. Tell him to stop living under the opera house. Do something. <laughs> Get a you job. Just, yeah. <laughs> I want 20,000 francs. For fucking what? What is he? He has to pay what is he for his buy? candelabras. <laughs> There's so many candles. Yankee Candle ain't free, bitch. 
I swear, I th honestly, the Phantom, does the Phantom have a wax factory? Because he has the giant wax figure and all of his, his letters that he sends out. He's got all those candles. His face is all melted. I don't know. Is, is the wax replica of Christine made out of all the candle wax? <gasps> what if it were? I want to see that scene of him just like building a mold and pouring all his candles into <laughs> Like Iron Man one I just style. Gerard Butler with a big funnel and like some Celtic Scots music's playing on in the back. I want to see that. I never thought about. It. That's why he has all the candles. He's building all these replicas of these women he gets obsessed with over the years. I really want to see a day in the life of the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> like he's like not the Phantom, the Phantom of, of the, the opera. opera. Like not any Phantom. He's like okay, so today I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a pulley. <laughs> Cribs, MTV Cribs. <laughs> He's like, yes. Yeah, so I wake up. I wake up at like noon, right? And I, uh, I can only eat the scraps because there's no kitchen down here. So whatever, it's fine. I do a couple push-ups, write some music. Uh, I'm gonna try to do this really dope fire explosion thing where I like scare this girl in the middle of a party. So hold tight. I'll let you know if it turns out. I gotta go to Home Depot. Get just some cut money. back to him in front of the opera house with it burning. <laughs> and he's just like, well, I mean, it didn't work, but like, I got some cool shots for my he's vlog. Like, so the pulley didn't go as planned, but that's okay. <laughs> we got some sick shots. Christine gave me her at. <laughs> Why did we just invent Phantom of the Instagram? <laughs> I love frat boy Phantom. <laughs> frat boy Phantom would be great. Could you could you imagine that love story? Like she goes down to his his you know nightmares of his mind, and he's like just down there, he's got like a Pulp Fiction poster and like a Lamborghini LED down there. lights. But he is a genius. He's like, I got this busted ass opera for you. One second, and she's like, I hate this guy. I hate this fucking guy so much. She's a single- Christine's actually a single mom, <laughs> trying to- trying to break out in the opera. Dude, I just wrote a way better Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> but it's all the same music, but these- these personalities. <laughs> yeah, the exact same soundtrack. <laughs> it's opera and everything. <laughs> I want you to make this. This needs to be a YouTube series. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Can I be the phantom? Of course. Yeah, no, you're, you'll look more like a phantom. I think that was the other thing. The one thing I didn't like about Gerard Butler's phantom was, like, he didn't really commit to, like, the mannerisms of the character that I would have imagined until the very end where he was acting, like, more like a monster. Yeah. Which was fair, but, like, it, like <laughs> the, only, the only thing he did was just twirl his cape around a lot. <laughs> did you notice how often he twirls his little cape? <laughs> no, but now I Decided. am because I'm remembered. <laughs> it's like a cold down Count Chocula. Like. <laughs> they gave him some bomb ass costumes, though. When he shows up uh, at like the masquerade oh, that thing's ball with the red also, and the skull mask. Can I just say masquerade? That scene is one of the most painful scenes I've ever been through. And the song is so fun. <laughs> I it love, is a very good song. I love that song so much, and that scene is terrible. <laughs> you didn't like the guy voguing? No! What, what, is, what is that random cut to a medium close-up and then back up to a master? <laughs> the entire scene is set in a wide shot, and the entire set looks the exact same. <laughs> what is the point? 
you lose all of the aesthetic, all of the nuances of that entire scene by its garbage cinematography and terrible editing, and it's unforgivable. <laughs> I also love the bold choice, because in the lyrics, it's like something like, look at all these colors around astound you, but it's like only gold, black, and white. Yeah. But in the musical, it's like everybody's wearing crazy different colors. Like, it's a big rainbow piece. Yeah, that's But in this it, one, they're like, nah, nah, style. Fuck it. Class. Rich people. <laughs> I did I, I did like the color palette of that. It just doesn't make sense when they sing a song. No, It's like, yeah. what colors? There's like, like, there's definitely competent elements at play. They're just not being used properly. <laughs> the costumes are good. I do want to talk about the co- The costumes are sick. Oh, yeah. The costumes are really nice. I love all the dresses and stuff and, like, all the set dresses. Carlotta. All of oh, Carlotta's yeah, costumes. Yeah. I feel like that's where all the energy goes into, though, is to those, like... I mean, I guess the the Phantom has some good ones, too, but he's mostly in the black one for most of the movie. Christine's yeah. almost always in white, except for the beginning she's dressed like a Harlequin. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a musical within a musical. They're rehearsing. It's dress rehearsal. Yeah. I love musicals where they do musicals in musicals. <laughs> Is that you? You don't understand theater. I mean, no, I, I yeah, you're, I mean, that's a hundred percent true. I do not. <laughs> this movie, it was very, very difficult to find if there was any difference between the songs they were specific, like supposedly singing on stage and the ones that they were saying talking. <laughs> Yeah, the I think so, Don the one in Don Juan is like at the end is like the only one that I was like oh this is just part of the set and then also yeah. the subtext of them talking. Yeah, the the under because he wrote that specifically so he could sing that to Christine and creepily touch her neck. <laughs> there's there's that a scene lot is of so awkward. Yeah, there's a lot of larynx touching. That's it's a lot that, of like that's God. where you can tell she's underage. <laughs> that's <laughs> where you can tell she's underage. There's a half a moment too where you can tell he's going for a boom. <laughs> but no, and then but the director's like, right we can't do that. Yeah, he just goes put, right to her neck. Emmy, put your hand under his yeah. hand so we don't get any yeah. like laws broken. Yeah, you could tell. God. That's one She's fighting that- with that dress. I can't get over with how much she fights that dress. Could they not do a better fit on her or just have the shoulders draped? Well, because there's that like that moment where like she's talking about like being seduced by him and thinking about him. And oh, she yeah. And she the, comes. Yeah. Yeah. But she pulls the straps <laughs> off. So I assume that that's the purpose of it beforehand. But yeah, she's fucking with the straps in every you other can- shot before then. You can do like a touch of glue, glue it until yeah, that scene and then she just rips it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, because I, I think that it would have worked kind of stylistically for her to like expose herself to him. But no, she's she's so busy messing she's... with those straps for like the next five takes. So it's like, okay. So and I get it. She she was, re- this was like her, one of her first big, big movies. I think, when, when did The Day After Tomorrow come? Ooh, 2005? So this had to have been her like first big yeah. one, and she had just done like TV work before that. So I'm sure she was just like, oh, I yeah. have to sing and do all this. Like yeah. Jesus Christ. So I get it. She's overwhelmed, but like that's where you step in as a director, and like now's your time to work with child actors. You got to be a little bit more strict with them yeah. and tell them what to do. Yeah. And he just didn't. He was like, yeah, fight with the straps, whatever. I don't give a shit. I also just didn't feel like her. <laughs> I also just didn't feel like there was um, a point to Christine being young in this. 
Like, I know you said it's written in, in the actual musical that she's, like, 18 and the Phantom's, like, 40 or something. I don't know what the age yeah. gap between Emmy and, and Gerard Butler is. It didn't really seem that big, and it didn't really seem like it mattered that much to the story other than the fact that he taught her from her dad's death. Like, that was the only thing to me that the timeline was like, wait a second. <laughs> yes. The, it's supposed to be a, a decent age gap because the Phantom at the end of the musical, you're supposed to be sympathetic throughout the whole musical and feel bad for him and almost root for him. And then there's the big climactic number where you go like, oh God, this man is a monster. Like he's actually a piece of trash. And then there's the sympathetic like motif of forgiving the monster in your life where that's why we have the closing thing. But it's it's to really drill home like how gross this guy is because he doesn't care about the age gap and stuff like that. As far as her being casted that young in the movie, I really think it was because she was the only one that could hit that notes and looked the part of Christy. Fair. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel like that probably narrows down your pool of casting pretty, pretty slim yeah. after a while. It's like, who can hit a high E flat? Okay, we got three people. Now, which one of you guys looks skinny and pretty for film? All okay, right. we got one. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> and she's 14. God damn it. One second. <laughs> Give us a few years to get this one. <laughs> it's exactly. We're gonna I'm have to sure go to Disney. That's <laughs> sure, that's how that went. Fuck. I. This I I also really enjoy this movie. I would call this one of my guilty pleasure movies. Where every time I put it on, yeah, I know it's trash, but God, am I having a great time? And it's only because we're blessed with Andrew Lloyd Webber's music. If you had original songs in this, it'd be awful. So awful. Well, but because just, of that music. Yeah, I, I don't I don't even know. I feel like you would have so many other things to, to deal with <laughs> if it didn't have its own music. But uh, yeah, I feel like having the music makes it a lot easier to, to construct the, the story and like the plot pieces because without it, I have no idea how any of this would work. So, okay, here's, here's my issue because I honestly thought this came after chicago was made in 2002 the movie that won best picture and honestly is great in terms of how to do a movie musical well um why would you not just take constant notes of how they did that well apparently they did and that's why it has this weird realistic look to it even though it's kind of like a bombastic artful movie but i think the thing is that's but i feel like that's always been the struggle with bringing musicals bringing musicals into cinema is for one like you have to deal with the fact that like you know getting people in the seats is a whole different ball game when you have a musical that's already yeah. been established and then you have to go into the whole like actually adapting it and making the style of the movie fit into the the musical and still be able to make it profitable because still still musicals now are like you know 50-50 if people are even going to pick them up yeah and it, they they tried i you can feel them catering to the like everybody audience by like throwing in fight scenes that are not in the musical at yeah all. like all those fight scenes you see are not there the pointless i the one scene i hate so much with a burning passion is when Raul falls into a booby trap oh and my like god and then and then opens it back too up long. yeah i hate it i need it to go away it's it's way too long. It serves like nothing. But the, the, it's that type of shit. Like that's what's running up the runtime. It's yes. like weird. There's just these weird little nuances where the movie takes like 35 extra seconds to do something. 
Yes. <laughs> do, do, do you remember on our very first episode where we asked, like, what's what's the movie that kind of, like, made you look at film different? This is one of the, this is the movie that I saw as a kid, and I realized that some things need to be cut from movies. And it yeah. was that drowning scene where I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, this that... doesn't need to be in here at all. No, absolutely not. God. Poor Patrick Wilson. I, he, he really gave it at all, his all. He's so good in this movie, and he's really good in general, and he just doesn't get cast because of his hairline. He's he's an actor that's held back because of his hairline, and he's so good. He his hairline's held more. back, too. <laughs> <laughs> he, leave my man alone. He's great. He's he the great. best part of Aquaman. <laughs> what are you Can't talking about? It's Nicole Kidman. <laughs> no, it's... God... <laughs> She looks like a candle that was melted but laid down. She's just all oh slicked back. Oh my god, back. that is such a perfect way to describe her. That is 100% what she looks she, like. She's so pulled she looks back like and she taped and in the tucked. Phantoms in the Phantom's lair. <laughs> she is the Phantom. She is the Phantom. Dude, I, okay, no, that, that's fuckboy Phantom. It's Nicole Kidman, too. <laughs> He's a oh, Nicole Kidman is Christine yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> She's like a cougar. No, wait, no, you can't have her be Christine. She's got to be someone from really good. She's got to be the lady who saves the Phantom. So she's just, like, needlessly attached to him. That one woman <laughs> who, like, just knows where he is at all times and doesn't say anything. The, the French woman? Oh, I want to talk about that French woman and the utter hard commitment to that accent. I loved that, it. Is that, it's so good. Is that not her accent? But it's, no, that she's British. So oh. remember the Harry Potter movies? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. She's Rita Skeeter. No shit. Yeah, that's, that's the same funny. actress. Yeah, that's that funny. is funny, isn't it? Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> Best Dumbledore, I don't give a shit. Her little pen that just <laughs> writes for itself. That's Rita Skeeter. Um, what do you think of the two dudes that are the scrap metal business dudes? The scrap metal business dudes? Which one? The guys who take over the oh, opera? Oh, yeah, the guys who take... <laughs> I actually was just looking at them, because um, I have uh, a line, one of my favorite lines from one of the songs. I don't know why, but there's just like, what a, what a, what a way to run a business. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to run a business. <laughs> Spammy, these are ending trials. Um, I also wrote down another line that someone says to them, too, like, right at, I think it's right after the first, like, phantom, like, hijinks. And he's like, gentlemen, I'll be leaving. If you need me, I'll be in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> It's like one of the only talking lines in the beginning of the movie. And yeah, sure enough, you never see that guy again. Nope. <laughs> and you don't see the horse again. I told so you. So I didn't believe you that the horse, the so horse doesn't when, come back. With the big Phantom of the Opera number, for whatever reason, they go down some stairs, they ride a boat, and then all of a sudden there's a horse there's in a the horse sewer. In the sewer. That he puts Christine on, even though they've been walking just fine the rest of the way. And he just walks beside her? Yeah. Which, honestly, it could have been another great sexual tension scene of touching an underage girl where he just, like, slips his arms yeah. over her waist on the horse. Oh, that would have looked so bad. God. They, I'm here for it. Phantom's I, I, hot. <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom's hot? Phantom's hot. That's the whole point of him. Yeah, he's I'm, got that rock and roll edge. Ooh, I love it. Is, it. is it weird that he becomes less hot because Gerard Butler's underneath the mask? I think it, when he reveals his fucked up face, it's even better for me because then he's damaged. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, you got to give them props on that on that reveal because I I've gone through this reveal frame by frame because I was like I, there, I had to miss it. There's no way. No, as she pulls it because he's got sideburns. He's got yeah. He's got sideburns. So as she pulls the mask away, like his like hair goes with it too. Like his hair is completely <laughs> different once the mask goes above his head. Goes above his head. He becomes blonde. Yeah. <laughs> but like only in that reveal, he's black haired again. But only in that reveal, he's blonde, and you can't tell me it's the backlighting. Black. I have black hair. You yeah, see the black no, light? Yeah, Notice how it's yeah. still fucking black. I mean, if only if it's like thinned that thin. But even still, that doesn't look that black anymore. It doesn't. And, well, it, it was. It's strange to me because earlier in the movie, he has a mannequin that looks like it has his hair on it. So it's. Yeah. They're obviously bringing attention that he wears a hairpiece. <laughs> Do they just but, not want to deal with like wait what? So I I don't so I watched that scene pretty closely too. I didn't go frame by frame, but I rewound it a couple times. There's very clearly a spliced shot yeah. where Gerard Butler shifts slightly, and you can tell they did the mask reveal, went and put him in hair and makeup, had him come back in, stand as close yeah. to where he was, and then splice the two together because you can see his body shift yeah. just a little bit, and then it's all completely different. Yeah. And then they do the CG overlay. Which it's like, yeah. you could have done some more creative CG with that. Yeah, it is It is very uh, the Dark Knight, just weird flesh face. Like watered down the Dark Knight. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if you're going to do something jarring as like the devil's child. <laughs> yeah. In in the in the play, they get crazy with it. It almost they kind of make it look like it has like just bone, like bone is sticking out and oh. stuff. Like it's real gross, um, but it's like super. Dr Don't look at it up close because it's made for you know far back yeah. seats. <laughs> but it looks it looks really icky and like kind of like crusty and yucky and. Bleh. Um, I do have a question for you on the makeup, because I don't know how, whenever they do this, um, so it does switch to prosthetics as, after that reveal shot, yeah. it switches to, like, a prosthetic face. There's, there's a, when they do, like, a front on, Gerard Butler has, you know, he has very, like, thin eyes. Yeah, his, are you talking but, about his saggy, his saggy yeah, eye? Yeah, how do they do that? Do they just, like, glue a piece yeah. of the eye? Well, they do. You can, well, no, you can. I mean, if you if you have, because when you do a prosthetic, especially one that's that intensive, sometimes they'll just go over that whole part of the face again, and just put everything mm -hmm. there. So then, when you have it, you can like mount that that skin becomes super malleable, so you can just start moving it down, and like put pushing it. Does it fuck with the eye? Do they have to like put drops in their eye? I he probably would have to, yeah, for something like that. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, he's not in it oh. for that. That one, he's not in it for that long. Yeah, that was probably like just a day he had to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I like. <laughs> I was always curious if they actually taped the eye or if it was just clever like makeup. Yeah, it's make probably it's probably cold. a mix of the two. Yeah, because most of the time when you do like face prosthetics, they have like a very thin layer of like it's like whatever the epoxy or the whatever they make the acrylic out of to to make it stick. Um, but yeah, it's like usually like a small layer that will like replicate your skin so that whatever they do to fuck with that is not actually fucking with your real skin. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. I did like the the when they got to the prosthetics. I thought the, the prosthetics were nice. They followed my one rule. They took notes from me. They made it what? moist. Made it wet. <laughs> Keep it wet. It's always got to be wet. If it's not wet, it looks like trash. Um, but that CG and it, it if you notice when they do the reveal, the CG like moves. Okay, I had to. I dude, I had to do a double take because I was like, 
ew, is it pulsing? Because I, like, I was like, I'll it give like you. like warps. Yeah, I was like, I'll give you props if it's a pulsing <laughs> CG face. <laughs> but <laughs> that's not. gross. But it's not. It was just a fucked up mask. Yeah, okay. So I'm glad that wasn't me because I rewatched that part a few times too because I was like, is it? It's moving. It's definitely it moving. Is. But I couldn't tell if that was like his jaw clenching, but. Yeah, I think the whole mask no. just moves. It was them not finding the tracking for the face and like the CG like just shifting like, how? around. How? That shot is a three-fourths and it's so well lit. <laughs> how could you not drag that? <laughs> also, again, it's based poor. off a play. Why didn't you do freaking music <laughs> or um, makeup? <laughs> Fuck. It, I don't know. I so this I watched this movie like young before like I don't know d were you young and like didn't understand how like physics and like spatial recognition was I was always confused by that as a kid so whenever I watched this I was always just tilting my head because I didn't understand why the mask doesn't cover all of the thing when they take it off like I feel like I should have seen like pokey bits coming oh, out Oh yeah of the gross bit, but they don't. Well, it was just super, them. Well, it's super inconsistent because even in yeah, because for first off, it pulls his lip, and it only pulls it like it only fucks with his lip in the last scene. Everything yeah. else you can see his mouth perfectly fine, and it's not messed up. And then um, the, the thing with the hair is super inconsistent. And then his eye, because um, when he's wearing the the black like eye shadow underneath the white mask when he's in the red costume, like his eyes are perfectly even. Yeah, like you you can very clearly see that the socket is totally intact there. <laughs> it's completely fine. In in the musical, like of course they have to do that makeup before the th they can't throw all that shit on. Yeah, does in he? Have, oh yeah, yeah. Does he just have to wear the whole the whole play? He wears it the whole time, and you can see it under the mask That's constantly. Cool. It, yeah, it's and it, it gives a more realistic take. But I also found problems whenever they would do like like little mini reveals of the face. It was like different every time. Yeah. So like it's it doesn't turn pink until the very end of the film, and it gets way it's bigger at the end of the film. Because when she first takes it off after music of the night, he's like, he doesn't like. I'm sure Gerard has big hands, but he's not covering that much of it. It's like no. just his eye, and then you can still see his. Well, hair. he's not planning on covering it. He has to hit her first. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> Make sure he slaps her right across the face, like James Bond. I mean, to be fair, she did forcibly undress him. <laughs> so he wanted it. <laughs> he sat there and he was like, "Wow, yes, oh my god!" And she. Wow, I bet him. if the genders were reversed, you wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> suck my dick. Right I'm now. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> suck, suck all of it. I hope you choke. Swallow it when you're done, sweetheart. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I. I, he wanted it, she, and he felt her start to yeah, peel. Yeah, yeah. And then he acts surprised. This the Phantom is an abusive boyfriend, you know. He the Phantom he is nuts. Flip, he you know, lives in a cave. You caught him before his noon o'clock beer. <laughs> See, these types of stories paint such an unrealistic picture for men. <laughs> Because, like, like, yeah, maybe is this glamorizing abusive relationships? Yeah, but what what yeah. the most damnable thing this is doing is making women think that they're going to find a smart piece of shit guy. <laughs> no, you think you're going to meet a man who's a genius and lives in a basement? No, that, that boy has, like, 17 cases of Bud Light down there with him. <laughs> and and no college degree. No college degree, and he's been watching the same five football games since, like, 2002. <laughs> 
I imagine uh, the Phantom is actually the guy from Parasite. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Who lives in the cellar, except he worships Christine. <laughs> I like that concept. That's I feel like that's basically what it is, minus the sexy singing. <laughs> Love the sexy singing. I like the point when they're singing past the point of no return, and it's just like... I don't know if it's a wide shot, but there's a lot of space on either side of Christine. It's probably but a wide shot, because God forbid we get close to these fucking characters. <laughs> when it's important. There's a point where I, it was almost like I could hear Joel Schumacher go, Okay, rusher! And you see Gerard Butler fling himself into the shot. <laughs> I sent you that step. He literally, I think they put a trampoline behind him. So he could bounce off and catch her by the neck. And then start groping her, her larynx. <laughs> that shot makes me laugh every single time because he comes in hard. He's like a linebacker. I thought he was going to knock her over because she's all like 75 pounds. Yeah. God. Like when he bounds up the fucking statue to like howl at the moon, basically. <laughs> I fucking hate that shot. That whole sequence is just just so bad. <laughs> That's his worst sung line, too. Oh, yeah. It's... It's so awful. I, I was actually snapping my friend, and I was like, oh, I remember this part being really good, and I started playing it. And you see my jaw literally dislocate as the <laughs> notes start hitting my ears. I'm like, nope, nope, my memory was wrong. Dear fucking God. I couldn't tell if in that if that shot, if the off note of the organ was helping him or making it worse for him. <laughs> That's the other issue, is because Andrew Lloyd Webber is, frankly, a musical genius. This movie is just about him. He's the Phantom. He's the... Because he wrote he wrote this musical specifically for his girlfriend, Sarah Bar Brightman. Oh. Um, who, who played Christine for, like, 20 years. Oh, of course. And, like, the, the the whole thing is he's the Phantom, and he's obsessed with her and stuff like that. It's real icky. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber's kind of an icky guy. Well, yeah. But the, it's... Ugh, it, because he's a musical genius, he throws key changes literally every other bar. And unless you're trained in music and know what counter note you have to hit to make that work, it sounds just like the everybody's off key. Yeah. And that's kind of what Gerard Butler does. He makes everything sound off key. But he's trying. He's emoting. I feel like, he's honestly, because he's the Phantom, it doesn't bother me that much. Because, like, his voice should sound, I feel like, a bit more artificial than everybody else's. Because, like, he, it's yeah. not coming from, like, a place of actual realism most of the time. Or is it? Yeah. I can't tell because this movie refuses to give me guidelines. <laughs> it refuses to build a universe. <laughs> it's He's supposed to be the rock star of this place. He's he's when they cast the phantom they make sure they have a big bombastic voice, a, a one that stands out. Um and that's that's always who plays the phantom is the voice that kind of like hits your ears first. Oh, okay. But in this case it was Christine, which you know, I was I you know, it was nice having Emmy's voice hit my ears first and then in Patrick Wilson and then they really lowered <laughs> Gerard Butler as quietly they as they can. They just wanted to slide in as unnoticeably as possible. <laughs> I, I will say the final the final song is one of my favorites um, because right before the kiss, there is a big, big, like, very layered, um, I think it's called a stanza, I don't know. It's a line of music, and they have three different melodies going. And unless you have all three um, voices knowing their part backwards, forwards, upside down, in different key signatures, that piece of music does not work. 
I've seen it not work. I've seen it work. Here, it actually works. That that bar, that line. When she's is, leaving him? Like, before what? she's leaving, right before the kiss, when Raul is tied up, and she is, she starts singing the angel, like, angel of music, yeah. dude. And then you have the two other melodies from two different songs that I forget, singing as well. Everybody's on key. Everybody gets this as a big, big number. I just, like... The fact that Jerry was able to pull that off with absolutely no training, and the I, I, the other two carried him because the other two have yeah, training, yeah. but he stood his own. And yeah. I just, you know, I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm really proud of you. And that you did scene a good job. is just ruined by lack of direction, <laughs> yes, and lack of any kind of creative visuals, yes. Because it does sound really nice. Yeah, I, I remember I was listening to that, um, like when I was listening to it most recently. I was like, this is a pretty nice mashup of. All the songs that you hear in the, throughout the movie, because all those songs like become symbolic to you. So when you hear yeah. them again, then it makes you think of that stuff. And I think that works really well. And I feel like that's where like almost all of the catharsis from this movie comes from is just like the relation to the songs that you hear. And because you're hearing yeah. them for two and a half hours, you don't really have a choice but to care. <laughs> it's the Titanic effect. <laughs> At least you make people sit with a couple for two hours. <laughs> They'll like them. <laughs> They'll tolerate them at least. I hate the Titanic. I'm not looking forward to that episode. It's going to be Speed Racer all over again. This was almost my Speed Racer with that audio mixing. <laughs> almost? I was appalled. I feel like Van Helsing was your Speed Racer. <laughs> I mean... Van Helsing is at least quotable. I love Van Helsing. What a I, um... This, this movie, it's... I like this movie. I... I like the music. I like Jerry. I feel like we need to get off Jerry's ass about this fucking movie. He he showed up. He did his job. He he understood the character, which is literally all I ask. Is anybody who plays the Phantom just understands the character? And he he got it. He's like, hey, I'm an abusive boyfriend. Let's go. Did he really Bring have to me do much beer. acting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jerry's nice. I know. I feel like he probably is. I feel like that's uh, how you know he's nice is because he can play an abusive boyfriend really well. <laughs> yes. Yes. If I could recast this movie, I would put Patrick Wilson as the Phantom. I feel like he would do a bang up job if he's saying that. Yeah. Well, how um, would you even cast this now? Um... That's the problem. Christine's the hardest one. That's yeah. the hardest one. I feel like anybody else. Um, oh, uh, who's who's the guy that actually surprisingly did okay in Les Mis? The guy with the freckles and the bee stung lips. What's his name? Oof, I don't know. I haven't seen Les Mis. What's? He played Stephen Hawking. Oh, uh, Eddie Redmayne. No, Eddie, yeah. Eddie Redmayne would have been great as Raoul. He's actually a very good singer, which I think shocked everybody when we saw Les Mis. Oh yeah. Um. He he would have been great as Raoul, um, and then put Patrick Wilson. I mean, he's the age to play the Phantom now, and I'm sure he can still sing. <laughs> have him play the Phantom, I guess. And then I don't he know. Could. You're gonna you're gonna have to find a nobody for Christine, or take a stage actor and throw him in. Yeah, I feel like you'd have to. I mean, it's not like she's gonna have to do much. I would just say, if anybody wants to remake this movie, please have some creative sensibility. <laughs> Of any level. Yes. Oh, but keep Minnie Driver as Carlotta. Yeah, she stays. yeah that absolutely cannot change. <laughs> She's fantastic. Oh, and the guy who plays the maestro. That poor maestro is just there Honestly, trying the to conduct. the cast is great. I'm, I was fine yeah. with them. I mean, the movie's not about them. They're just there to like, look funny and say shit, but... I just feel so bad for that maestro conductor guy. The guy who, he just wants to finish the piece. <laughs> yes. He wants to get through a single <laughs> sheet of music so bad. <laughs> And he just can't. 
when they when they pull Carlotta off stage and like when it's halfway through, he's like, what? <laughs> they just like switch songs and he's like, why? And he's like, the ballet, the ballet, come on! These people don't pay me enough. Uh, God. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, what would you what would you rate it? Oh, this movie is not perfect. See, that's the problem. I have to separate the score from the actual film, which is so hard to do because it's literally the only thing carrying this movie. That and that damn organ player who <laughs> worships Satan to make it through this piece. Um, he, the movie itself, gets a six out of a six six um six larynx sexual touches and almost boob grabs out of 10 <laughs> six out of 10 okay yeah and 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 the things i chose to be the rating system are specific because this movie is very sexy this movie does things to me i don't know what it is yeah, i see i i see that and i feel like it's on the cusp of doing it i think that for me the chemistry falls just a little too flat for me to be like oh this is hot it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't work because they just don't think they're into it everybody just seems kind of uncomfortable <laughs> and dirty now, Raul and emmy or not Raul, uh jerry and emmy they want to fuck each other but and patrick wilson is trying so hard to give chemistry to emmy rosam but she just doesn't care she's like nah i'm into dads yeah jerry's a dad <laughs> i'm into dads um, <laughs> uh i would give this um five monkey symbols out of 10. I forgot about the damn monkey. We also forgot about the fucking guy who abuses the, the phantom when he like grabs the money out of the cage. Just <laughs> 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 Cannot forget that. Cannot forget that visual because it's just one shot on his face going <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets strangled Gladys. by a child. <laughs> he knew what movie he was in. <laughs> Clarice. This movie's great. The score gets a, a 20 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, the though. score gets a billion, a billion out of a billion. So good. Um, so good. Would you be open to doing more musicals on this podcast? I Musical knew, movies? I knew that was going to be the next fucking question. And I, this is a game. I know, drag. I know. I literally already, I've already had to make my parameters with you <laughs> that we can do one musical for like every five or 10 episodes. We could not become one of those podcasts. It's just like, let's do a musical. Because as soon as a bunch of people heard we were doing this, like, oh, we're gonna do Rent, you're gonna do Moulin Rouge. I'm like, we're never doing Rent. I would happily do Moulin Rouge because I hate that movie so oh, much. Really, we should watch it because I've never seen it, and it fits with I a hate Boz Lerman. It fits with a Boz line. I hate, I hate everything Boz Lerman has ever made. But like, I had an obnoxious friend in high school who thought he was like, just where I was just Boz like, Lerman what? Was the shit. Yeah, it's like, what movies. are you talking about? <laughs> God. Um. All right, well, I guess if, if you're somebody who watches the podcast, let us know if we should do more musicals, <laughs> and then maybe. <laughs> we'll see. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Okay, I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for watching new videos every week, new episodes every week. Down we plunge to the prison of my mind. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>